you don't have to just do whatever your party whip tells you to do. And so that was kind of the goal of the organization initially. It was It was a reaction to 2016 and just all the, the vitriol on both sides. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Dan Barkoff is a former Navy SEAL and an emergency physician at the University of Vermont Medical Center. Lately, he has gone viral as the star of an ad for the Lincoln Project, which was founded by former top Republican operatives who are now working to defeat Donald Trump in the 2020 election. Here's an excerpt from that ad. My name is Dan Barkoff. I'm a 2001 United States Naval Academy graduate. I'm an ex-Navy SEAL, currently an emergency room physician and the founder of Veterans for Responsible Leadership. Months ago, Donald Trump learned that the Russians were paying bounties for dead American soldiers in Afghanistan. He chose to do nothing about it. Any commander-in-chief with a spine would be stomping the living out of some Russians right now, diplomatically, economically, or, if necessary, with the sort of asymmetric warfare they're using to send our kids home in body bags. Mr. Trump, you're either a coward who can't stand up to an ex-KGB goon, or you're complicit. Which is it? Donald Trump is unfit to be our commander-in-chief, and that's worse than useless. I'm a pro-life, gun-owning combat veteran, and I can see Trump for what he is, a coward. We need to send this draft dodger back to his golf courses. The lives of our troops depend on it. We're joined now by the star of that ad, Dan Barkoff. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Dave, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So let's uh, start with your new stardom as the uh, star of a political ad. How did you come to be involved with uh, the Lincoln Project and make this ad? Sure, absolutely. So, so um, this this the Lincoln Project was is relatively recent. Um, you know, they kind of started in in November of uh, 2019. So, back in 2017, um, really pr- pretty quickly after Trump was elected, I started a, a political organization called Veterans for Responsible Leadership. Um, so VFRL originally started as a, as a simple Facebook group and then kind of grew and, uh, it was mostly folks that I knew from my time in service, um, in the Navy. And, uh, you know, we got a couple hundred members and then, uh, we decided to incorporate and, and actually register with the FEC as a political action committee. So we, um, you know, have uh, initially conceived of the group as sort of this, uh, I wouldn't say bipartisan, I would say anti-partisan organization, where we, uh, you know, would support candidates of both parties and, uh, you know, kind of offer, uh, you know, sort of top cover to, to folks who had kind of stepped up and done something, uh, you know, morally courageous in the uh, political realm. Um, for what I hope are obvious reasons, that transition to, to being pretty stridently anti-Trump um, as the administration uh, moved along. Um, and uh, Stuart Stevens, who, you know, kind of a local Vermonter with uh, a great deal of political connections, um, was, ta- was tapped to kind of be involved with the Lincoln Project. And he was um, uh, kind of our connection initially with the Lincoln Project folks. Um, but sat in on a couple sort of strategy meetings that they were having. And uh, they asked us to, our organization had a few uh, thousand members at that point, And they asked us to sort of uh, work with them and, and, and attempt to, to get some veteran voices added to the conversation. So when you say the group is anti-partisan as opposed to bipartisan or whatnot, why is that important to you? 
I think even in 2016, um, you know, it was very obvious that we'd kind of nationally become stovepiped. Um, You know, you were either blue or red and there was no kind of, you know, there was very little in between. Um, And, and that's not, uh, you know, party loyalty, both on behalf of voters and also um, on behalf of legislators has, has really, um, you know, kind of been taken to a new level. It's so rare to get people reaching across party lines to pass legislation. Um, you know, you think of, and Stuart loves to use this example, you know, but you think of uh, No Child Left Behind where George W. Bush and Ted Kennedy work together on that legislation, um, you know, that would be unheard of today in in today's political world. And, you know, so we wanted to offer a voice um, that, uh, you know, showed that we had more in common than not, and that, um, you know, people can work together, and it's okay to reach across the aisle and, and, uh, enact legislation and, and, and work with the other side. And, you know, to, um, you don't have to just do whatever your party whip tells you to do. And so that was kind of the goal of the organization initially was, it was a reaction to 2016 and just all the, the vitriol on both sides. So how do you, so, you know, as 2018, we're well into the Trump era. And of course now, uh, the whole role of the military and its use by Trump, its use in images, its use walking across, uh, you know, Lafayette Square after tear gassing yeah. protesters. What was your reaction as a guy who's been in the military to seeing uh, a, him, President Trump, walk alongside the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to this photo op? Yeah, great, great question. And so, to back up to the previous question, that's how we started. So we started as anti-partisan, um, but we're not being intellectually honest if we don't come out as anti-Trump um, in, in every capacity. So Trump um, has been an abominable commander-in-chief. Um, he uh, very rarely has gotten a couple of things right. Um, you know, and, and, uh, but, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. So, um, you know, the damage that he's done to civil military relations and our constitutional democracy far, far, far outweighs any, uh, you know, kind of pandering to the military as a whole. Um, you know, the military has no place in domestic law enforcement. And that's a violation of our constitution. It's literally one of the reasons the Declaration of Independence was uh, was written and signed. Um, so I think Trump is, uh, you know, to, to be frank, I mean, Trump is a fraud, right? He's a five-time draft dodger who uh, happily let other people uh, go in his stead. His, his father paid money to get him a... Uh, you know, some doctor to write a, a bone spur note so he didn't have to be drafted. He's clearly shown uh, throughout his adult life that he, he only views the military as, as props for his own theater. Um, you know, he doesn't care about the military. He doesn't visit wounded troops. He doesn't call Gold Star families. He doesn't, um, you know, we had four Green Berets killed in Niger, and he didn't even have the common decency to call the widows and, and remember their, uh, you know, their spouses' names. So 
I have zero respect for Donald Trump as uh, the commander in chief of the, the U.S. military. What do you hear from your military veteran colleagues? Uh, I mean, the military, as you point out, is loath to get involved in politics, typically. Sure. Um, what kind of things do you hear from your former you know, mates in the forces. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, so VFRL, for example, you know, we've grown, um, and, and some of that is due to the exposure from the Lincoln project. And so we have, um, you know, thousands of members at this point who sort of all agree with, with that worldview that I, you know, that, or that view of, of Trump's, um, uh, time as commander in chief. I'll, I'll also say that, you know, um, I have, I've had, dozens of, and in my world, you know, because I was a SEAL, um, you know, most of the people I know in the military were involved in special forces. And I have dozens, dozens of guys, highly decorated guys who don't want to speak out publicly. Um, but you know, who sent me a text message or an email, Hey, I agree with you, man, like keep doing it. Um, you know, so I think, are there people in the military who still love Trump? Of course, right? I mean, a third of the country still thinks Trump's doing a good job. Uh, the military is no different. Um, but I think, you know, from his, you know, approval rating from when he, when he took office to now, um, I think people who serve and people who have served just realize that he has absolutely no qualities of leadership that we would want uh, anywhere near our military. Um, you know, do, do you so apart from disapproving, are you concerned? Do you think this is dangerous? What Trump is doing, enlisting military images, military commanders at his side as he's going about, for example, domestic law enforcement. How worried? Sure. Yeah, I mean, the short answer is, of course, it's it's incredibly dangerous to to our democracy. You know, police. Uh, police officers and, and domestic, uh, you know, federal agents, that is not, um, uh, that is not a role that the, that the military should be used for. Um, you know, these are, uh, you know, this is clearly the actions of, of an authoritarian or, or a wannabe authoritarian. Um, and, um, you know, I have, I have deep, seated concerns you know if i didn't dave i wouldn't be doing the stuff i'm doing right you know this is um this is believe it or not not how i want to be spending my time is talking about the president of the united states but um you know it's it's our democracy has a flat tire and we need to get out and fix the flat so um we're talking about uh well first of all if you're just tuning in we're talking to dr dan barkoff he is a, an emergency physician at uvm medical center and also uh, founded Veterans for Responsible Leadership and has uh, appeared in several ads from the Lincoln Project. Um, we've been talking about the first ad that you cut for them, which focused on uh, Trump and his refusal to uh, address the issue of bounties taken out on American soldiers. And there has been some, uh, in, in some of the writing about it, um, there's been some criticism and let me just read to you and get your response. Uh, This is from the nation magazine Uh, quote, the game seems to be more about taunting and revenge than persuasion. Uh, uh, It says uh, this is like a Trump rally. These ads 
And then it goes on to say, Barkoff's ad functions as a way of co-opting opposition to Trump and channeling it into support for a war effort that is otherwise indefensible. Progressives would do well to keep a skeptical eye on the Lincoln Project. The ads needling Trump are often entertaining, but they are pushing a sinister agenda. What's your response to that? So, um, so a couple of points. So I, I, I've heard that quote before. Um, so if you are a progressive um, voter, you know, you're, you're consider yourself far to the left on the political spectrum. Um, sure. That's a valid criticism in the sense that um, I'm not a progressive. I'm not from the far left. Um, you know, I hardly think that act, asking our commander in chief to take seriously uh, reports of the Russians paying cash bounties for dead Americans um, is a particularly uh, uh, right wing issue. Um, to me, that's an American issue. Uh, you know, there are progressive and liberal sons and daughters who serve in the military. Um, you know, I don't think that. Uh, uh, you know, to me, I don't see that as a partisan issue. Um, I'm certainly not a warmonger, uh, as I've been called. Um, that's, that's laughable. I've been to war um, three times. Uh, three times I've done three separate combat deployments. Um, and uh, I know Including the battle, the battle of Fallujah, you were... I was in the Battle of Fallujah. I led a sniper team in the Battle of Fallujah. I know far better than, um, than many, um, you know, the, the ramifications of state-sponsored violence. And there's a time and a place for, for its use. And, um, you know, I think, um, but as far as that particular quote, I mean, yes, I'm not, um, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a leftist. I'm not a progressive. Um, but in this particular election, I will freely stand up in front of any audience and say the the way forward is to vote for Joe Biden, um, who is the Democrat candidate. And you know what? Moderate Democrat versus uh, senile white supremacist. I'm going with the moderate the moderate Democrat every single time. So um, you know, politics makes some strange bedfellows, Dave. And uh, I think we're definitely in strange bedfellow land at this point. So in another ad that you cut. Uh in which you make this point that you now support Biden. And Mm -hmm. uh, here's an excerpt from that ad. I don't agree with Joe Biden on many issues, but one thing we agree on is that we are a nation of laws and the Constitution is a sacred document. It's a document that I fought for and some of my friends died for. Protecting our freedoms and the rules of the game is a fundamentally conservative act. President Trump shows no such respect for the Constitution. He and his cronies disrespect freedom of assembly, due process, and states' rights. Joe Biden will conserve the Constitution. He will conserve the rule of law. He will conserve the American dream as we've promised it to our children. Trump is weak. Trump is not conservative. But he's the most easily fixable problem in America today. A vote for Joe Biden in this election is a vote for our Constitution. You say in that ad that you don't agree with Joe Biden on many things, but are there things like tax policy and health care policy that you do agree with him on? These, these are things that um, in this election, in the 2020 American presidential election, are not important. Um, what is important is constitutional democracy and the rules of the game and, and you know, the, the document that our founding fathers created and we have periodically updated, um, that is what this election is about. So, 
you know, I'm a, I'm a conservative. Um, I'm a conservative and I'm telling my fellow conservatives vote for Joe Biden. Um, let's talk a little bit about your military experience. And you mentioned the battle of Fallujah. Um, this was, uh, you know, widely reported. It was, uh, there have been charges. That there were widespread human rights abuses in the battle of Fallujah. Uh, it was, it's also been described as a quite horrific experience. Uh, it was a close fought battle, um, with many casualties, can you talk mm-hmm. about what was your experience there? Was human rights expe- abuses, is that something that you were aware of? Or how do you... So, um, I'm not sure what you mean by that. I certainly don't know of any human rights abuses. I, I don't know specific uh, allegations um, or anything like that. But that, that seems, um, uh, you know, Fallujah was a battle in a war against... Um, Al-Qaeda in Iraq and an insurgency who took ground and said, um, we are going to use this ground. This is part of our, um, you know, this is our territory. And they were using that ground, Dave, for things like uh, cutting off Nicholas Berg's head. Uh, Musab al-Zarqawi was in Fallujah. Fallujah was the place where they hung Americans from a bridge and burned them. Um, so, you know, an urban warfare is, uh, is violent. It's close combat. Um, I saw Americans take countless risks, countless risks, um, you know, to try to keep civilians and non-combatants safe. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't hold any, uh, um, I don't have any personal memories of anything that I considered, uh, questionable. I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to. And, um, um, I think that's, that's laughable. Um, I bet the people who say things like that were, uh, not at the battle of Fallujah. Hmm. Um, well, I know that there were investigations both by the Iraqi government, but also by human rights watch. When you close with the enemy and you have to go into houses and kill people who are trying to kill you, um, violence happens. But I, I can tell you, honestly, I don't recall seeing any civilian casualties when I was there. What led you to want to go into the military? Tell us a little bit about your story. You know, so I grew up northern New England, uh, Maine for a while, and um, uh, lived there until I was about eight or so, and then central Massachusetts. But, um, you know, I'd always kind of been uh, enamored with um, the service academies. So I think I applied to only West Point and Air Force and the Naval Academy and ended up choosing Navy because it seemed to have the most I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but, you know, it, it, um, um, it seemed to have the most options. So, you know, you can, you go to the Naval Academy, you can do anything in the Navy or the Marine Corps. So you could, you could drive a tank. You could also fly a jet. You could, you know, be on a submarine. You could also, um, you know, work in artillery or, or what have you. So, you know, there were a number of, uh, it just seemed to offer the most kind of the broadest choices for uh, an 18 year old who wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do. Um, I don't come from a military family, you know, my, neither one of my parents were in the military. Um, I had a grandfather who was in the army in world war II and never left the U S. Um, I don't, um, I don't, uh, uh, you know, recall any any uh, sort of, um, you know, encouragement to go into the military. It was just something I was always interested in, and um, you know that that was kind of 
that was just the way I was wired. I mean, I used to, you know, be being, being a young boy and just wanting to, to read and just a, kind of a, uh, an appetite for history. I know I'd read about World War II and the Civil War and, you know, the revolution and things like that. And um, it just seemed like a, a good way to spend my youth. How did that lead to then becoming a physician? Yeah, so, you know, in some ways, Dave, the things I like, I liked about the SEAL teams um, are, uh, are also things that um, I like about medicine. So, you know, in, in the SEAL teams, you've got a difficult problem. You've got very, very competent, very highly skilled, very motivated kind of self-starters who are working together to, to solve that problem. Um, and that exists in medicine too. So, you know, the, the nurses and the physicians I work with and have worked with throughout my medical career are, um, are also, you know, self-starters, uh, sufficient, motivated and, and hardworking people. So, you know, it really is, they're both kind of, you know, different aspects of it, but they're both life and death professions. Um, and they're both, you know, meaningful and, um, you know, both of them, uh, you know, attract people who are kind of like-minded. So um, I would say the things I like about medicine are, are similar to the things I liked about the, the military. Hmm. Um, for people who've been involved in combat, we hear, uh, you know, PTSD is, is a big problem. Is that something you've seen among your colleagues in the military? Is it something you've had to deal with? Sure. So me personally, no. Um, I've seen it, you know, here and there. Um, I think it's, I think it is likely or kind of overrepresented in, in some ways in the media. I mean, you know, veteran suicide and, and mental health issues amongst veterans is a big, is a big deal. Um, but, you know, there's, there's also a tendency in, you know, I don't, I don't single out any particular group, but there's kind of a common um, perception that, you know, veterans are, are these sort of, you know, mentally wounded creatures and, and, you know, nothing can be further from the truth. The veterans that I, you know, the guys I went to the Naval Academy with are, are lawyers now, they're doctors, they're, uh, you know, about to put on their first star as an admiral. Um, we are not wounded creatures. Um, we are not, uh, you know, the type of people who, um, you know, can't deal with the experiences we had. The vast majority of veterans, the vast majority of veterans, including combat veterans, don't have symptoms of, you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress or, or anything like that. And, and I'm in no way belittling the folks who, you know, do have those symptoms and, and I fully support, you know, getting them the help they need. But that's not my story and that's not the story of most of the folks that I know. Um, you know, most of the people, uh, most of the veterans that I know, Dave, are, are proud to have served. Um, they don't carry uh, deep psychological scars from their time in service. And, um, and you know, they're okay with what they were asked to do in, in uniform. And, and that's how I feel. I, I you know, I'm, I'm perhaps unfortunate, perhaps it's, you know, personality, perhaps it's just, uh, you know, my experiences, but I, I don't have any of those symptoms. And, um, 
and again, I, I, I reject wholesale this, this kind of narrative that veterans are victims. Uh, we're not victims. Um, we're some of the most uh, motivated, capable, uh, strong people that you're going to meet. And so, you know, I, while there are vets who have, who have issues, um, you know, this idea that we all suffer from, you know, uh, our time in the military is, is not accurate. Um, finally, what are you going to be doing from now till election day? How are you going to be waging politics? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Vermont's, Vermont's the most anti-Trump state in the union. And, uh, I love that. Um, you know, so there's, there's not really a need locally to, to work out. So, you know, my efforts will kind of be on the, uh, the national level, trying to, to convince other folks to either turn out and vote or to, um, you know, perhaps uh, change their mind about, about Mr. Trump. Um, you know, so we'll continue to work with the Lincoln Project. We have some of our own organic VFRL uh, ads and commercials that we're, we're going to be running. Um, we have some... Uh, folks at VFRL who are now committed to some of the uh, direct action protests. And um, uh, perhaps you saw the gentleman in, in Portland, Oregon, who was assaulted and, and broke his hand in the Navy sweatshirt. So he's a member of our organization and was prior to that incident. Um, and, you know, people are, are trying to, to give back and, and continue to take their citizenship seriously. And, um, uh, you know, my aim is to is to help them do that with our organization. We're uh, we're we're in this one. You know, in again, 2020 special circumstances. We are in it to win it. Donald Trump needs to go. Um, you know, we're going to try to to help Joe Biden win this thing any way we can. Because uh, even if I disagree with Joe Biden about uh, you know tax policy or whatever. Um, Joe Biden uh, believes in the Constitution. He's a good man. He's an honest man. And that's something I can't say about Donald Trump. Okay. Well, Dan Barkoff, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Vermont Conversation. <laughs> sure. It was, it was a pleasure, Dave. I appreciate it. Dan Barkoff is an emergency physician at UVM Medical Center and the founder and director of Veterans for Responsible Leadership. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.